Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. More building societies look set to merge. So what does this mean for your savings? If you thought you'd have to wait until 68 to retire, think again. And bonuses are back, but what about mortgages based on bonus income? All this to come in this week's FT Money Show. I'm Matthew Vincent. I'll be giving you the lowdown on all of these money matters in downloadable form with my colleagues from FT Money, Steve Lodge, Charlene Goff. Hello. And our special studio guest, Andy Tully, Senior Pensions Policy Manager at Standard Life. Hello. So let's start with this week's money news. Just when you thought the dust had settled on the crisis-hit bank and building society sector, and it was back to business as usual, more unsettling news has emerged. This week, there has been growing speculation that two of the largest building societies, Chelsea and Stroud and Swindon, may seek mergers or financial restructuring following the surprise departures of both of their chief executives. Chelsea, the fifth largest society, is considering whether to merge with another one or issue a controversial new type of equity as part of a full review of strategy. Stroud and Swindon, the tenth largest mutual lender, insists it's not in a distress situation, but rivals say that it's going to have to pull a strategic partner out of the hat. Steve, uh, you've been following uh, the story all week. Um, should we, as savers or borrowers, be at all worried by the news? Um, no, Matthew. I think in in the sense that savers' cash is safe. Uh, furthermore, there are still far too many building societies out there, so I think we can all miss a few without noticing. Um, but the other side of this, the good news that people used to hope for with uh, building society consolidation is uh, on windfalls. Um, I don't think there's any chance, real chance of windfalls here in whatever deals may emerge. And, and we really are at the early stages of these uh, changes. And I realise that, um, yes, there's a, there's a review going on at Chelsea and Stratton Swindon is saying that it's, uh, it's not in distress. But people are talking about possible restructurings, which suggests that um, certain smaller building societies, although these are you know, pretty reasonably sized, um, are still struggling to basically keep their finances together. Absolutely, Matthew. I mean, the building society sector is, is a sort of real economy sector compared to the banks, which were really hit by the kind of the incomprehensible end of the credit crisis that, you know, came across from the, uh, the Atlantic, the whole subprime crisis and so on. Well, building societies are what we know they are, which is they lend money to people and sometimes they lend money to people they shouldn't do. So they really start to get hit when bad debts rise so on their mortgages and so on. At the same time, they're all struggling with this low base rate that uh, is great news for borrowers and actually isn't that bad a news for savers at the moment. They're struggling because Stratton Swindon, for example, says one in seven of its borrowers is on a 
a tracker rate um, that in some cases could be as low as one and a half percent. And it's just saying you, it's very difficult to make money out of uh, when um, uh, it's very difficult to make money when you when you're only getting that much back from borrowers and you're having to pay much higher rates to savers just to keep their cash in. So in terms of what might happen, I suppose we can look to uh, some of the precedents that have been set in the sector. I'm thinking of both Derbyshire and the West Bromwich. Uh, just uh, can you remind us what happened in those cases? Yes. I mean, despite the sort of propaganda put out by the mutual movement, we've actually lost seven societies so far. There have been seven mergers or takeover societies in the credit crisis. And one, what even the, the industry association calls a quasi-demutualisation of the West Bromwich uh, building society when it issued these what are called incomprehensibly profit participating deferred shares but these are shares issued to institutional investors that pay away some of the profits of the society now mutual diehards and frankly anyone who believes in the concept of building societies looking after savers and borrowers thinks well if you're paying profits out what's the difference between that and a bank well indeed say many uh, people. Um, so this is why it's, it's described as a quasi-demutualisation. But it's seen as a, as a useful form of capital restructuring, cutting the interest charges that societies would have otherwise have to pay to those institutional investors. So it clearly helps uh, the societies, but um, what about two groups of people? Firstly, savers, and secondly, holders of permanent interest-bearing shares, or PIBs, in building societies. Yes, I mean, it's, it's, it's much like, as Andy, I'm sure, will tell us about the life insurance world, it's, you know, the incomprehensible uh, title. PIBs, call them a bond, call them a fixed interest security. Now, in fact, Stratton Swindon and Chelsea don't have PIBs in this case, but these sorts of events are, are going to unsettle the PIBs market again. Um, because people fear that the coupon, the interest paid on those PIBs, will be cut, as was the case in the West Bromwich um, restructure. Um, in terms of savers, yes, savers and borrowers, yes, the fear is if these PPDS were issued, then rates would suffer over time. That, that's a fear. It's difficult to tell because we don't have enough experience at the moment. Um, but what we could well see, I mean, the safe money basically is on Stranswinder being taken over, regardless of what it says. It's too small, really, even though it's the 10th biggest building society. And Chelsea probably surviving. It's got a very, very experienced new temporary chief executive who's come from the nationwide um, and that's more likely to do the, go down the financial restructure route the PPDS route Thank you very much indeed uh, for that uh, Stephen you can read more about what's happening at uh, Chelsea and Stroud and Swindon building societies and what it means for societies generally in Steve's article in FT Money with the Weekend FT and online at ft.com forward slash money Still to come on the show, bonuses. Will mortgage lenders take them into consideration? First, though, pensions. This week, retirement got further away for all of us. According to the pensions regulator, plans to raise the retirement age to 68 by 2050 will not be enough to solve the pension funding crisis. So people will undoubtedly, and those are his words, not mine, have to work for even longer. The government seems to agree. It's already said that it's bringing forward its review of the default retirement age to next year. But now the European Court of Justice has got involved, telling the UK High Court that an enforceable retirement age can only remain if it has a legitimate aim linked to social or employment policy. So where does all of this leave us when we're trying to plan our pensions? Well, um, who better to answer that question than uh, Andy Tully from Standard Life? 
Andy, um, what what does the default retirement age actually mean? Let's let's establish that first. Okay, the, the default retirement age means that uh, an employer can effectively force an, uh, an individual out of the door, even if they don't want to retire. Uh, and that's currently age 65 in the UK. So so people can, can keep on working up to age 65. At that date, they, they can be forced to retire, even if they don't want to. I suppose a key thing to remember here is that the default retirement age is not necessarily the pension age, the age at which you can take your pension. Absolutely. Uh, that, that comes really down to, to the individual scheme that someone's uh, a, a member of, or uh, if they have a personal contract, they might be able to take benefits from, from 55. Uh, and the rules are much more flexible in the UK now that people can take benefits and keep on working. So, so yeah, absolutely, people need to remember that it doesn't mean that they can't take retirement benefits until that age. It just means that there might be some restrictions around when they can actually work. But of course, the the reason that this debate about the retirement age is uh, is being waged is uh, uh, because of the the funding shortfalls that exist in both um, employers' schemes and in you know, individuals' personal schemes. What's the general advice uh, for people who are worried about having a shortfall in their scheme and not being able to retire when they want to? Uh, I, I think. All of this shows that there's, there's effectively a triple whammy of things coming coming along as uh, people are living longer than they used to do. Uh, state pension benefits are not as generous as they used to be, uh, and and many people have an inadequate pension saving of their own. So so taken together, these things mean that uh, people will either have to accept to retire on less money and retirement and live on, on less money, uh, or they have to delay retirement and keep on working for a longer time. And so depending which one of those uh, individuals you are looking to retire earlier or looking to to work longer i suppose flexibility in your pension planning arrangements is going to be even more important absolutely uh, and i think one of the things we're seeing is that the, the traditional retirement patterns uh, where, where you worked for one company for 40 years got a gold watch on the friday and were retired from the monday onwards these days are largely gone uh, and Many more people are, are gradually easing into retirement, so they might move to part-time working, uh, they might take on charity work, uh, all, all sorts of different things. So, so people don't necessarily want to take all of their pension benefits at once, they might want to take some of it, uh, they may just want to take a, a lump sum, which might help them with a business venture or, or to go on holiday or pay off debt. Uh, so, so yes, we absolutely we need much more flexibility uh, to, to fit in with people's lifestyles. So... Let's say that I want this flexibility because uh, uh, I'm not sure what's going to happen uh, 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 to me at the at the FT. So, uh, what sort of what sort of scheme should I I be in? I'm I'm actually in the FT pension scheme, and I'm not sure what the details are for, for when I can take benefits. I should check that. Um, but what's the most flexible type of scheme? Uh, the most flexible scheme for for a type of retirement benefits is probably a self-invested personal pension uh, or, or SIP, as as the industry. Uh, calls it. Uh, these allow people to to uh, defer income uh, or take a lump sum and take no income. Uh, they allow people to take a little bit of income if they want to. Uh, so, so they allow lots of flexibility. Uh, but, but what that does mean is that there's more options and more complications. So, so generally, uh, people need to have a little bit more money to have a SIP, uh, a little bit more pension saving, and they generally need to take advice as well. And for people who are in occupational Schemes. I suppose the question then arises: Should I should I transfer into a SIP for the added flexibility, or should I look to make other arrangements 
in addition to my occupational scheme? Yes, that, that, that's a much more difficult question. That's why I'm asking uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, generally, if, if people are a, 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 in a defined benefit scheme, again, due to guarantees and, and the valuable benefits people get from Gemgen, in many cases it, it's not worthwhile. Uh, transferring, certainly not uh, in advance of retirement. Transferring just at retirement might be an option. But yes, there's no doubt that SIP does give added flexibility uh, that, that people do to desire. But uh, I guess as an industry and, and with government as well, that we do need to encourage more flexibility in all types of pension schemes. But Andy, I mean, uh, strangely enough, the pension company wants us to buy more SIPs. I, I, that's a little bit unfair. I know you're quite measured. But haven't we heard recently as well that annuity incomes are likely to fall as well? So all this wonderful pension saving that you and others encourage us to do, aren't we going to be hit by much lower annuity rates because of various complicated solvency issues in addition to the longevity, i.e. pensions may not be the panacea for retirement saving? I think pensions are one part of a package of measures that people uh, people need. I mean, the, the key question is: Do people have enough income in retirement? How they wish to generate that income can be in a whole series of ways, whether that's ISAs, whether that's property, whether that's pensions. Uh, but I think a pension, due to its tax reliefs, is a valuable part of that package. Uh, so, so I think people should look at it very carefully. Uh, going back to your point on annuities. Yes, with people living longer, uh, that does mean that if you have a pot of money you're going to live longer, you get less each year. That, that's simple arithmetic. Uh, uh, and yes, EU rules are, are likely to mean that that will go down in future as well. And Andy, just finally, what's your money on for default retirement age? 70? 75? Uh, I think the likelihood is that we won't have a default retirement age in the future. Uh, I think we'll get to a position that, that people will have the ability to work as long as they want to, or, or perhaps more important, as long as they need to. Indeed. And we all need uh, a lot of flexibility with our pension arrangements then. So uh, thanks very much for that, Andy. And uh, what do you think about the default retirement age? You can join in the debate or read the views of other FT Money readers and various pension experts on our new blog www.ft.com forward slash money matters look out for Lucy Warwick Ching's post called should the default retirement age be scrapped and then click on the comments button I'll give you those details again at the end of the show and finally today mortgages apparently there is a new acronym being heard all around the city of London BAB which is short for bonuses are back it's not being heard here at the FT, where bonuses certainly are not back if they were here in the first place. Um, but if you are a lucky banker getting a bonus this year, can it actually help you get a bigger mortgage? Um, Charlene, this is a subject that you've been following you know, for some time, and we've seen lenders' attitudes to counting bonuses uh, uh, change <laughs> over, over that period. Um, what's the situation like now? Well, I think for lenders, bonuses definitely are not back and they really don't seem to have any more appetite to take bonuses into account when offering mortgages. Um, before the credit crunch really happened, uh, banks on the high street as well as the private banks were very happy to take bonuses into account and would actually encourage people to boost their income so they could borrow more and buy bigger properties and most lenders would take at least half and often 100% of a bonus into account uh, when when calculating how much they could borrow. 
That's really changed quite dramatically now. And lenders, uh, if they take bonuses into account at all, may only use, say, a quarter of the bonus that has been paid in previous years. They might also want confirmation that the bonus is guaranteed. um, And there might be other changes such as some lenders will no longer take overtime into account and commission and parts of income like that 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 aren't guaranteed. So it's much harder if your income is not just your basic salary to get a mortgage. I suppose this affects quite a lot of people. Um, While listeners' hearts may not go out to the banking community, there are lots of other um, uh, professions where income comes in the form of commission uh, and bonuses. And I suppose this has really restricted their ability to get the loans they need. Yes, it really has. I mean, you've got all sorts of professions from estate agents to recruitment people. Lots of different industries rely on bonuses and actually have very comparatively low basic salaries. So when you're sort of stripped right down to to your basic guaranteed, it might just be a third of your total income or even less. And that's what you can base a mortgage on. So it's proved very difficult and actually has stopped a lot of of people being able to borrow enough to buy the house they need. Uh, Mortgage brokers are saying that they expect lenders to relax their criteria gradually. I think we need a bit more uh, evidence that bonuses are coming back and bonuses are reliable because they're very nervous at the moment that you have all this speculation that bonuses are coming back. But of course, banks and other companies have the right to withdraw that at any time. So they don't want to start lending on something that could disappear. But I think once we see bonuses coming through and being paid and being paid for another six months or another year, they might start to relax criteria. So things should get a little easier, but not in the foreseeable future. I know that you've been talking to some of the uh, sort of top end lenders, uh, if you like, this week. Is there any indication that some of them may be relaxing criteria, as you as you've just suggested, um, for certain of their wealthier clients? Well, I think definitely private banks have been more amenable to using bonus income. And actually, they haven't really scaled back their appetite to do that in in the last year or so. They have they they supply loans on a much more bespoke basis and they know the client well. And so they have been willing to take bonuses into account. And, and actually, we're hearing that some of the private banks are showing a greater willingness to lend on bonuses because there's this big demand and a pool of clients who really can't get mortgages elsewhere. So they are saying, I mean, it's people like uh, banks like SG Ambrose is sort of saying that it's willing to do more mortgage lending and to to accommodate people with bonuses uh, to help them out, really, because they their clients can't go anywhere else. And then they would look to build wider relationships with their clients. So it's a way in. And that's been quite typical of the private banks recently. So we've got the money, we can lend, but we want a relationship and we want some control over your other assets. It's the general principle. And that's the big problem, I suppose, for those who may not be wealthy enough to transfer all of their investments and assets to a, to a private bank, but they're still relying on commission, say, for a lot of their income. Yes, exactly. Those people uh, may have troubles for some time. I mean, some of the banks don't have very high, uh, don't impose very high demands. You know, they just want some... uh, idea that, that, you know, they can build a relationship with you in future. So it's not for the super wealthy only, but it's not for everyone. And there will be people who um, will struggle to, to obtain finance for some time. It's certainly worth finding out who will take your bonuses um, into account. So thanks for that, Charlene. And uh, if you'd like to know more about 
those lenders and their attitudes to bonuses and commission and who is prepared to lend more, look out for Charlene's article in FT Money this weekend. Well, that's all for this week's FT Money show. Remember, you can find all of these stories and weekday news on our website, ft.com forward slash money. And you can read and comment on our latest blog posts at ft.com forward slash money matters. You can even follow us on Twitter, whatever that may be, from that very web page. And we'll be back next week with another financial lowdown in downloadable form. But until then, it's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from Steve, Charlene, and Andy Tully of Standard Life. Goodbye. 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 A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.